Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1, this is what the scripture says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they were asking, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. Can you say worship him? We have come to worship him. That was the point of their journey was to worship the newborn king. Verse three, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was supposed to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. You will shepherd my people, Israel. I love how in this moment, they're reading a prophecy from before. When the prophecy came, it was about the future. But for us today, it's just history already written about. Because God is not bound by time. He knows the beginning from the end. He can see beyond the moment that you find yourself in right now. Whatever problem, whatever thing you're facing, God is already beyond that. And he's waiting for you on the other side, just like he is with you when you started the journey. And while he's with you, while you are still on your journey, that's the goodness of our God, Emmanuel, who is always with us. Verse 7 says, Then Herod called the Magi secretly. And he found out from them the exact time the star had been uh, had, had first appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and he said this, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, I'll come report back to me. So, yeah, I too may go and worship him. Everybody say, liar. <laughs> After they had heard the king, they went on their way. Check this part out. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them. The star moved, y'all. Like visibly, they saw it. It was in one place and now it was moving. Moving along like your arrow on Google Maps as you drive down the highway, some faster than others. But driving, nonetheless, it was moving. The locator was moving. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. I love verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Like not just joyed, but overjoyed. They were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with the mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in the dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And God miraculously provided and uh, appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Hey, get your son and your wife and flee, go to Egypt because the king is upset and he's killing kids. Everybody two years old and younger was about to be uh, murdered and killed because Herod didn't want the threat of another king. And so God miraculously provided, protected, and led 
Jesus' family, and he used the Magi to help that process along as well. Today, I want to bring a message to you in week number two of our Joy of Christmas series, a message entitled Chasing Stars. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, are you a star chaser? Ask him, are you a star chaser? Uh, real quick question, um, so I know who I'm talking to. Where are all of my Christmas shoppers at? You enjoy Christmas shopping? Awesome. Uh, I, I, I'll get you my Christmas list right after church. Some of you love Christmas shopping. Some of you abhor the idea. It's torture. It's like pre. It's the prequel to what hell is going to be like for you. Like You're just like, there is no way I'm going out. One of the things I really don't like about about shopping is when you walk into a store expecting to find something in one place, but it's moved. There's a certain um, superstore, we shall say, that shall remain relatively nameless. And uh, you used to be able to walk into one of these particular stores. Uh, You could call it a mart if you would like to. It's a store. Uh, And you would walk into it, and it used to be every time you walked into one of these stores, it was the exact same, right? Everything was in the same aisle as in the other store. But as they've updated the stores and changed some of the stores and made them more super of a mart, uh, they just kind of have grown and gotten to the point where you could walk into one, and what used to be in one aisle is now completely on the opposite side of the store. They have moved the stuff, and that's frustrating, Because you're on a journey, you're on a mission, and if you shop like me, it's like, hey, let's go. We got a task. Let's achieve this. Let's start your watch. We're going to set a world record in how quick we can get in and get out. But I have the world's worst time trying to find stuff in stores, and it is so frustrating because it should be here. Like just yesterday, I was at Walmart. I mean a store. And I had to go pick up some gluten-free macaroni and cheese. Yeah, needle haystack. Hello. I went down the macaroni aisle. Nope. Apparently, there's a little tiny section way in the back. In the odd, I see lots of heads. Some of you are, are gluten intolerant. I apologize. There's a little tiny section with three little shelves called the gluten free section. It's like, I don't know. Nothing looks delicious on that shelf, but you've got to shop for it because that's what you need. It was the world's hardest thing to find. I'm so glad that on the app now of a store that should remain nameless but has already been out, cats out of the bag, sorry, you can actually find out, they tell you what aisle it's supposed to be in. That's fantastic when it's right. (laughs) Just saying. Chasing down certain things can get to be a little bit frustrating when you're looking for something that should be in one place but it's not there. I think a lot of us in our lives have been looking for certain things, and when we got to that place, it wasn't what we thought it would be. Some of us have been looking for joy, and we thought that the promotion that would give us more money and more power and more influence, when we finally got to that point in our career, we thought for sure joy would show up, but it's not, because the problems only have been exaggerated because there are more people that you have to deal with. And the more money was nice, but the problem is you still have money problems. They're just more expensive money problems now at this stage in your life. And you thought when you got to that point, joy would show up, but it's not there. What you thought you would find in that place isn't there any 
more. And so the same is true. You, you think that uh, getting married, it will bring you such a great joy. So you got married, but then you realized that you married Jezebel. And you're like, nah, this ain't happening no more. And what you thought would bring you joy is like, nah, that's no good. And so you've started on another search and you've decided that you're going to go look for a different rack of antlers. And so you spend all of your energy and time looking in another place. But when you don't get what you're hunting for, you still come away without a little bit of joy because the place that you thought you'd find joy wasn't there. And so three marriages later, you're still trying to find find some joy. And, 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 and you thought that getting a puppy would help. And so you bought a dog and the dog was just wonderful until it tore up your slippers. And then you decided this dog isn't worth it. And so you convince your spouse that it's time to have a child because surely that will bring you great joy. And so you get a child, but that child doesn't eat your slippers. Thankfully, they just steal your sleep. (laughs) And you thought being a parent would be such a joyful thing, but It's not quite what maybe you thought it would be. And so you think, well, maybe I just did it wrong. Let's have a second one. (laughs) This, this is where the joy of the family and the love, and oh, it's going to be such a warm thing around the holidays. And then you decide, you know what? I think I'm going to get another dog instead. (laughs) Because what you were looking for, you thought you would find, but it's not in the place that you thought it would be. And joy is this thing that we keep looking for, searching for. And with with every stop along the way, with every development of our life story, there is a growing sense of tension that we experience. And this tension of wanting something more and thinking it's one place, but it's not in that place, it just adds to the tension of our story. And when we get to those moments of tension, we oftentimes abandon that part of the story. But the problem is tension is necessary for your strength. Tension is a necessary part of your story. And we can't avoid the tension. We can't avoid those things. Tension just, excuse me, tension is a part of our story and it's a good part of our story. But this tension gets really real. Now, lest you think the Bible is just all perfect and rainbows and you can't relate to the real life or the Bible can't relate to your real life, let me just unpack for just a second what we just read in Matthew chapter 2. I don't know if you would recognize the tension that existed in this story, but think about this. There were men who were from the far east who saw a star appear and they traveled to Jerusalem thousands and thousands of miles. Most scholars believe that Jesus was at least two years old by the time they got to Bethlehem. They took a two-year road trip. Some of you thought about like that one-hour drive to grandma's house and the tension that grows with your children and your family with every request. I've got to go to the bathroom. Are we there yet? Can we change the music? He's touching me. He's breathing on me. Don't let him look at me anymore. Like, and with every growing comment from the back seat, the tension just grows to all of a sudden you like exercise a demon or something. You're like, shut it. I will turn the car, right? Like, come on. I'm the only one that's threatened to beat a child in those moments. Just me. That's fine. 
And we think that the tension in those moments is going to break us. Can you imagine traveling for two years on a camel? <laughs> Set up tents, tear down tents. Set up tents, tear. I've been camping before. I don't do it much anymore. Right? Like, like you think you get in an argument with your spouse just on directions. Imagine setting up a tent every night and day <laughs> together. Riding on the camel, you think getting saddle sore would be bad after 20 minutes on a horse? Yeah, good luck. Ride a camel for two years. They don't make enough gold bond for that. Like, it's just a problem. And the conversations and the calculations and the thoughts, are we going in the right direction? Is this a waste of our time? Do we really need to be doing this? Is it worth it at all? And it's just more and more tension because they still don't know exactly where this child is. They've only seen a star from afar trying to track it down. And not to mention, once they got there, the star decided to move. And the target that they thought they were hitting kept changing. Ever been in a relationship where the rules just kept changing? She says this is what she wants for Christmas. But what she really wants, come on now, don't go quiet on me, judging me, like you got the wrong gift one time, right? She said she wanted a vacuum, but what she really wanted was a bigger ring. Yeah, you bought the vacuum, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> The tension in these relationships and in these moments, it's almost palpable. And not to mention, now they have expectations from a king whom they just met that says, hey, when you get to this place, come tell us all about it. And they knew that something was amiss. And if they didn't follow through with the pressure that they got from the palace, what their life would be like. Can you imagine living with that tension? The pressure here they are, they're traveling from afar and there's tension at every turn in their story. And some of us, we feel the same kind of tension in our Christmas story too. With every invite to a party, with every expectation of a present, with every child's wish list that keeps growing in uh, number and in dollar signs every single year, and with the expectations of in laws to be at certain places at certain times, and other family members who are expecting this and that, not to mention the work demand because everybody's trying to close out at the end of the year and make certain benchmarks, and they need something from you, and they're squeezing you, and this, and demands just keep growing, 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 growing growing and the tension in your story, it's real. And you just want to bail on the whole thing. And the idea of going somewhere foreign for Christmas sounds really good because then it's just travel and you don't have to deal with nobody. But the tension still exists. And the tension that we feel in our stories that comes from having to stretch to reach a certain point that we think we need to get in our lives. This stretch that we feel that we need to be at, this stretch to appease people, this stretch that we feel in our lives is just adding to the tension. But, but the thing that you need to understand today is that tension is good and you don't need to run away from it. See, because tension is the conditions that you need to develop strength. Without tension, you can't get stronger. 
That's why James wrote in James chapter one, and he says, hey, friends, count it all joy when you face trials, tribulations, when you face the tensions in your story and in your life. Count it joy because the testing of your faith, the testing that you feel like you're going through, the tension that exists in your relationship, it's there to produce something, to produce perseverance. Some of you and some of us today, we don't feel like we have the strength to make it through. We don't feel like we got the strength to put on joy. We don't feel like we got the strength to keep parenting. We don't feel like we got the strength to keep going to work. We don't feel like we've got the strength. And the reason we don't have the strength is because we've never been stretched like this before. And any time in the past when we have been feeling this stretch a little bit, we've bailed thinking this must not be God's best for my life. So you quit the relationship, you bail on the obligation and the commitment no more, and you just start turning things down and you say, no, 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 no. And you change relationships and new things. But the problem is you're going to come across those same kind of relationships again. Those same kind of commitments are going to show up again. Why? Because the testing of your faith is trying to produce something in you that you need. You can't make it through without the strength. The strength is what you need to see it through, but the strength doesn't show up until there's some tension. When you're lifting weights, it's time under tension that helps you build real muscle. It's what accelerates the strength building in your life. When you spend time under tension, it's what gets you the strength that you need. Strength is necessary for us to move forward, but strength only shows up as a result of the tension. But how do we have the strength to get beyond the stretch? Nehemiah chapter 8 tells us how to get beyond the stretch and get to the point of strength. How do we get beyond that? How do we see past the tension and the strain? Here's how we do it. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says this. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy is what gives you strength to get past the stretch of the tension that you're facing. Are we tracking? Tension is necessary. It shows up in all of our stories in a lot of different ways. The tension isn't something to be avoided. It's something to surrender to and to be stretched by. And the stretching is what helps produce the strength. And we get strength when we decide to have joy. But most of us just get grief from people. And so we bail on it when strength is trying to be produced. And so we don't count it joy. We don't look for joy. We don't consider joy. We just look for ways to jump ship when we should be sticking it out. So strength shows up. Friends, if you're at a point where you're like, I, I can't do this anymore. I, I don't have the strength to keep going. I don't have the strength to do this. Can I give you some encouragement today? The strength that you need will be found when you choose joy. Because it's joy that brings strength. No, no, I don't need joy. I need strength. I know. And the way you get strength is you choose joy. 
Yeah, but I don't, I, I, I'm dealing with some grief things. I'm dealing with some, some, some sadness today. I'm feeling lonely. I don't, I don't need joy. That's the problem is I don't have joy. That's why I don't have the strength. No, 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 you don't understand. The thing that you are looking for is the thing you have to give. But how do I do that? You give it by faith. You give it by faith. You give it because the grace of God is in you and the Lord lives in you. And if the Lord lives in you, then his joy is already in you. It's just a matter of choosing to give the joy. See, because the joy is our strength. Laughter and smiling, which are just joy expressed, has been scientifically proven to decrease your stress and increase your endorphins and your hormones. One... uh, One medical article that I read this week said that laughter is like the body's natural painkillers. So the the thing that you feel so saddened by, the way you overcome that is choosing to laugh. Joy. Smiling. I don't feel like smile. Smile anyways. Give it a good belly laugh. Give Give it some good time because laughter is helpful for your health. You need to laugh more. You need to smile more. Even though you don't think you've got a reason to smile, smile anyways. Go ahead and practice it. Turn to your neighbor and give them the biggest smile you've got. Go ahead, give them a huge smile. I think, I think this is why God gave us kids. I think laughter is the reason why God is like, ah, they need joy. They need to laugh. It's going to be good for their health. And so uh, if they laugh, they'll get stronger to see it through on the other side and their faith will grow under the tension. And so I think I'm going to give them kids. Kids will be the reason they find laughter. But most of us, we've turned the gift that God gave us for laughter and turned it into the most stressful thing ever. I'm not saying parenting is easy. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, it's pretty difficult. It's pretty challenging. But can I be honest? When you shift your perspective from thinking stressed about all the things that you have to accomplish when it comes to your kids, if you can just look for moments of joy and laughter, it'll, it'll change you a little bit. Let, let me show you how it works in my life. I, I, one, of the most things that, one of the things you need to know about, about your pastor is I'm pretty uh, driven and tasked. Like, hey, we got stuff to do. Let's go. Let's quit messing around. I don't need to talk to nobody. I got stuff to do. Let's go. Let's accomplish something. And I'm the same way at home. So we sit down to dinner just about every night as a family. It's something that we've built into our schedule and kind of protected. Uh, Not every night, but most nights. And uh, we're not legalistic about it, but we are protective about it. That time at dinner time. But you know what the temptation is for me? Is we start going through the meal and we get about five minutes in and all of a sudden I'm almost done, but my kids haven't started to eat yet. And it's good food. I know they like it. I don't care how much they've whined about it. I know they really like it. And they will enjoy it. And it's good for them. And they need to eat. But they're goofing off and playing around. And I'm like, hey, kids, eat. We got stuff to do tonight. We got to finish getting dinner. We got to clean it up. We got to go clean your rooms and get everything ready. Set out your clothes for the next day. Make your lunches for the next day. And it's shower night. Praise Jesus. My favorite night of the week. And this is going to happen. And so we've got a schedule to keep. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Open your mouth and stick a fork in it.
And I've turned a time that should be an enjoyable moment filled with laughter, and I've twisted it to create stress in me. But you know what's great? Is when I start catching myself in that moment, I'm learning how to just take a deep breath and find something to laugh about as a family. The other night, life is kind of crazy and stressful for my wife right now. Lots of things happening and going on and, you know, it's just life. And we were sitting at the dinner table and we're all there and I'm in my mind going into that stressed dad mode, you know what I'm talking about? Got to achieve something, got to feel like I've accomplished something, got to get to the finish line, which is them in bed and me on the couch. That's the finish line tonight. Right? Like, that's where I'm getting to. That's, that's the goal. I'm there. I'm seeing it. I'm on the journey. And the tension is growing inside of me. And something happened at the dinner table. Somebody said something. There probably was some bodily noises that took place. I don't really remember the reason. All I remember was all five of us just bellied laughed for a good few minutes. And we laughed and we laughed and we laughed and we laughed. And all of a sudden, I really wasn't all that stressed anymore. I think God's blessing to us often comes in disguise of the things that we stress about. What is it that you're stressing about? I wonder if there might be a way for you to find some joy in the midst of it. What if you stopped taking yourself so seriously and just decided to laugh a little bit? What if you just decided to be goofy? Have some fun. Some of you, you need to turn up the Christmas music and dance like nobody's watching. Just go for it. Laugh at yourself, laugh at the people around you, and don't care. Why? Because you need some joy. Joy is what you need to release the stress that's in you. Joy is what you need. So quit grabbing the wine and start grabbing some joy. Quit grabbing the self-indulgence and the self-pity and start finding a way to laugh a little bit. Stop watching the sappy Hallmark movies that make you cry and hate your own life and wish your man was that rich because he ain't and just turn on a good comedy Christmas movie. Throw on some Tim Allen and laugh all the way. Ha, ha, ha. Just change it. Why? Because you need to laugh a little. You need some more joy because your joy is going to give you the strength to overcome the stress and the tension that you feel. You got to laugh more. You got to smile more. You got to look for ways to brighten your face. Listen, joy is not circumstantial. It's a choice. And if you're waiting for your circumstances to bring you joy, you will keep waiting. Your circumstances will produce happiness for a moment, but that moment leaves rather quickly. You're getting a lot of joy of buying all of the gifts and all of the things. Give it 20 minutes after all the presents are open. Give it an hour after all the presents are already open. Give it three hours until the first toy finally breaks and there are tears and the happiness is now gone. Why? Because the circumstance changed. And if you're waiting for joy to come as a result of your circumstance, you're missing it because joy is not circumstantial. It's a choice. 
Joy is a choice that you make. Joy is a choice not to sit back and and to feel the pity and to feel those things. It's a choice to say, I'm going to be joyful. I'm going to choose joy. I don't feel joyful. I don't know what to laugh about. I just need some joy because joy is what gives you the strength to keep facing the challenges that you are. Joy is what you need to have the strength to face the, the work demands that you have in this season. Joy is what you need to have the strength to cook all the food and to do all the things and to run all the errands and to keep the house clean and to do all the things that are there, the tension that's there. You need joy because it brings you the strength. Pastor, I, I get it. I, I hear you. I know joy is a choice, but how do I choose joy? Like, what, what does that look like? Let me give you one word. Worship. Worship. Worship produces joy. And joy brings you strength. And strength is what you need to get beyond the tension. If you're in tense moments and you know you need strength, then you've got to find some joy and choose joy. And the way you get joy is by worshiping. Psalms 16 verse 11 says this. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. God's presence does not lack joy. It's overflowing and so full that even if you just get a little bit in his presence, you can't help but walk away with some joy. It's like dipping your toe in a swimming pool Just because your whole body didn't get in the pool doesn't mean that your toe didn't get wet because if you touch that water, you're getting wet. Why? Because that's what happens. Do you know what happens when you get in God's presence? Joy. I love how the NIV says this. It says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I love that thought. Listen, worship isn't about Jesus coming into your presence. It's about you getting into his. Sometimes we think, well, I'm going to show up at church and I'm going to sing and then Jesus is going to show up here. No, 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 you don't understand. It's your job to go into his presence. How do we go into his presence? The Bible says we enter his gates or his presence, his throne with thanksgiving and with praise. When you make a choice to worship, you are showing up into God's presence. And while you are in his presence, you know what shows up? Joy. The Bible says he will fill you with joy when you walk into his presence. When you walk into his presence, joy begins to fill you. Psalms 95 in verse 1 says this. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Some of you, you have so much to be thankful for, so much to be grateful for. You know how much he saved you. You know what he's meant to you. And so you have a reason to sing. 
Some of you, you feel like you have no reason at all to sing because everything you've experienced in the last few months has just been disappointment after disappointment, sadness after sadness, grief after grief, and you don't feel like you can worship. You don't feel like you have a reason to worship. You don't feel like there's anything good going on in your life. You don't feel like you can sing for joy. But you need to sing for joy. Singing brings the joy. Singing sometimes is a sacrifice. Your sacrifice is the payment for the joy that you need to receive. Mm -mm. I wish I had an organ right about now. Somebody about needs to grab a hanky and start praising God. I'm telling you, listen, 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 listen. You may not feel like you've got a reason to sing. The scripture doesn't say just sing because you have joy. No, 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 no. Sometimes your singing is a sacrifice. You got to grit your teeth. You ain't feeling it and you don't care what you look like. But when you start singing, it, there's a transaction that takes place in the heavens. The joy shows up as your singing goes up. Joy is coming down as your voice is lifted up. Joy is coming down as your voice is lifted up. You want to crawl under a blanket and just sleep all night. I'm telling you, when you start singing, joy is going to start showing up. And when joy starts to show up, you got some strength to put one foot in front of the other foot. You ain't trying to compare yourself to nobody else. You're just consecrating every step to the Lord. And you keep singing, so you keep getting joy. And that joy keeps giving you the strength. And with every ounce of strength that you get, you can face the challenges. You can face the problems. You can face the bills. You can face the tension. You can face the things that you're walking through. Why? Because joy showed up and filled you the minute you chose to sing. Christmas time can be crazy for people. It's full of sadness and memories of pain and loss. And what was but you need to sing for your joy. You need to sing for your joy. You need to sing for your joy. You need to sing for it. Listen, when you make a choice to worship, it purifies your joy. There is no purer joy. There is no purer worship. I know that's probably bad grammar, but I'm trying to make a point. There is nothing more pure in your worship than when you do it as a sacrifice. When you do it, not because you feel like it's deserved or you've got good reason to or everything is working out. You do it because you need some joy. It's a sacrifice. It's, a, it's an element of praise. It's something that, that begins to grow in you and you make a choice. Listen, some of you, no, let me rephrase that. All of us are worshiping. If joy isn't showing up in your life, it's because you're worshiping the wrong source. Every one of you are worshipers. We're going to go home, go to a restaurant. We're going to worship some things. We're going to turn our attention and our affection to some things. We're going to cheer on 
some guys in pads and tight pants and helmets and worship some stuff. You're going to sit online and shop. We're going to go home and think about ourselves and our needs and our problems. Listen, you worship whether you realize it or not. But if your source is off, your source of your worship will either purify your praise or it will it, or it will pollute it. And when your praise gets polluted, your strength gets compromised. When your praise is polluted, your strength is compromised. Oh, but, but when you're praising the right person and you've got your focus on the right thing, something begins to strengthen in you. Your strength becomes fortified when you're praising the right person, when you're praising the right one. You might not feel it, but you make a decision to do it. I want you to think about something. The Magi showed up to worship and they showed up to worship in all of the likely places. They went to the palace. That's a pretty likely place to put some praise. That seems like a logical place to praise some things. I'm gonna, this, is, this is a cultural acceptance thing. Let's, let's bring it to the palace. But the palace was the wrong place for their praise. They, they, went, they went to the king and they were like, ah, oh, must be politics. I'm going to praise some politics right now. We're going to show up to the political leaders and we're going to praise and we're going we're gonna to adore them. We're going to throw out our worship to them. We're going to defend them. But yet your joy is contaminated and polluted because you're worshiping the wrong things. Listen, the Magi showed up looking in all the logical, basic places. But those were the wrong places because the king wasn't in a palace. The king was in a stable. And it was in an unlikely place that they found the proper way to express their praise. You could be looking at your job, at your finances, You'd be looking at trying to create some experience and traditions and memories for your family. None of those things are wrong to have in our life, but if they are the focus and your source, your joy will be contaminated. It will be polluted. It's only when we recognize that it's Jesus who's worthy of our praise that joy fills our hearts. That joy fills our souls. That joy begins to strengthen us. And that strength begins to help us move forward beyond the, the tension. Why? Because praise and worshiping our King is what brings joy about our hearts. And the joy is what we need to give us strength. And the strength is likely what you're missing. And you're just focused on the stress. Listen. You have to identify what it is that you're worshiping this Christmas. Are you worshiping family tradition? Are you worshiping getting lots of gifts? Are you worshiping all of the excitement and the activities? Are you worshiping your own sadness and your own grief? Are, are you just worshiping for you and what you can get out of life? Is it selfishness? Is that what's at the center of your focus? Whatever's at the center of your focus is getting your praise. Because that's what's at the center of your heart. And when you recognize 
that Jesus belongs at the center of your life, your praise goes up and joy shows up and strength helps you look up and you keep moving beyond where you're at. Listen, the Magi took a two-year journey not because they were obligated. They weren't obligated to do it. No. The Magi took the two-year journey (laughs) because it was their delight. They took the journey fully sacrificing their lives, fully choosing to sacrifice their own lives, their own schedules, their own stuff. They chose to sacrifice for the sake of worship. Listen, friends, this Christmas, joy will be a byproduct of your sacrificial worship, always and forever. The choice is yours. Are you only going to be living your Christmas and your life beyond these moments for yourself? Or are you going to live in a way that magnifies and glorifies the King, that examines and goes beyond where you're at? You can choose joy this Christmas. You can have the joy of Christmas by choosing to worship God alone. Because when you focus on God and he becomes the focus of your life, joy fills your heart. Strength fills your body. And the tension and the strength and the tension and the stress that you feel actually will start working on your behalf and you will walk through that life stronger with a more fortified faith, ready to see God do abundantly beyond what you could dream, hope, or imagine. Worship is getting God back to the focus of our lives. What are you focusing on right now? What are the things that are consuming your schedules and your times and your thoughts and your financial uh, contributions? What are the things that are putting the most important point of your life. If Jesus isn't in that, friends, you will be missing some joy. The good news is making a choice to sing is a choice to put him back in the middle. It's a choice. The choice is yours. How can you make a sacrifice? For for many of you, On December 23rd, you're going to be here. You're showing up. You're going to serve. You're going to be on a serve team. You're going to create an awesome experience for people. Some of you are here. You've been inviting and you've been praying for that day. And we're going to do our very best for our God and our King. Some of you have never participated on a serve team. You you come and you're a part and you love the church and you're being here. I want to challenge you in this year, into the next year, join a serve team. Because when we serve We make an intentional decision to not be about our selfishness, but to be about someone else. Some of you, you you, you need to worship. You need to sing. This week, we're going to be sharing social media and on the church hub, a Christmas playlist of some great Christmas tunes that are both worshipful and fun and not cheesy. Because I don't do cheesy carols. It's not my thing. We're going to put a list out there. Several hours worth of God-honoring Christmas-themed music. We'll give you some songs that you can sing to. Some of you need to make a decision to do that. 
Some of you need to make a decision that you're going to step out of your comfort zone and start to worship God. Well, Pastor, I, I sit quietly while we sing. No, no, I, I want to challenge you to open your mouth and sing, brother. I want to encourage you to close your eyes and lift your hands. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not really expressive. It doesn't matter. Worship is defined by the terms of the person receiving the worship, not on the person who is bringing the worship. And God tells us to lift up hands. God tells us to lift up a voice of praise. God tells us to dance, to kneel, to clap. Why? Because those are things that get us out of our comfort zone. Come on. Get us beyond. It's a sacrifice. It's outside of us because it's not about you. It's about shifting our focus to a king who's worthy of it all. Would you stand with me? What if, what if you and I made a decision to live like the Magi? What if we did? What if we made a decision to have a galactic view of God? that kept our eyes to a star that moves and is on the move? And what if we kept this galactic view of a God and kept our eyes above our problems and we kept our focus on our King and because we kept the focus on a King, we kept singing and singing gave us joy and joy gives us strength and strength helps us keep moving forward. What if we lived like the Magi? Not out of obligation, but out of delight for a King who's worthy of our sacrifice. What if we made a decision to know the maker of the stars came to a manger as a savior and he's worthy of everything we could give? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Some of you, you know you just need to offer some sacrifice of praise. You just need to, in a moment, find some strength and some joy. So I want to invite you for the next 30 seconds, if you're here and you need joy, you need some strength, I want to invite you to join me for the next 30 seconds and just give God some praise. Lift your hands, lift your voice, start singing, start talking to the Lord. Come on, let's go. You need joy, let's sing. Let's worship, church. Come on, God, you're worthy. You're worthy of it all. Jesus, we shift our focus from ourselves to you. We lift up our hands. We lift up our voice, God. We tell you how honored we are to be in your presence, how worthy you are. Lord, we choose joy. We choose to sing. We choose to lift a voice of praise today, God. Lord, we thank you that the joy of the Lord, it is our strength. Lord, in your presence is fullness of joy. So Jesus, we worship you. We honor you. We say joy fill our hearts. Peace fill us. Strength come into our lives. Jesus, we worship you. We honor you. We praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray this week, you would help us shift our focus from ourselves to you. Lord, if we are walking through some tense moments and some stress moments and we're just, we don't feel like we got the strength to move on, God. I pray that we would choose joy despite the circumstance. And Lord, if we don't feel like we've got the joy to bring, we don't feel like we've got the strength even to laugh, Lord, help us choose to sing for joy. And as we sing and worship you, God, you will fill us with the joy that we need. We thank you for it, Father. We love you, we celebrate you, and we worship you. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, come on, let's thank the Lord.